My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25. We're in our second installment of loving ownership. Last week, what did we learn last week? Come on, I need your help. What did we learn last week? I own nothing. God owns everything. I own nothing. God owns everything. This week we're going to be looking at this then, the amazing privilege of being trusted. Amazing privilege of being trusted. Did everybody, I am completely spaced it out. I set out the study sheets via email while I was sitting on the platform. So uh, for those of you that signed up for it via email, hopefully it got to you. Uh, the rest of you, I had Clayton hand them out. Hopefully you guys got one. So I apologize for the lateness of that. I just got distracted and I realized that I did not do it. So anyway, Matthew chapter number 25, starting in verse number 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his servant, to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded them the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two talents, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his money, Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he hath received five talents, came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which hath received one talent came and said, Lord, I know that thou art a hard man, reapest where thou sowest, hast not sown, and gatherest where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful man, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not, and gatherest where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and that my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him that hath ten talents. Friend, for every, unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And he cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we are again thankful that you allowed us to come and gather and worship, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you speak to our hearts this morning, that we would be better servants fit for your use. Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified in all these things. We ask it in your name. Amen. The amazing privilege of being trusted. 
Why? Because you don't own anything. <laughs> Last week, and it's one of those things that we know, we know it's hard to practice. My kids don't belong to me. But I tell you what, last week was a really rough week. People don't do their job. You, okay, I hate going to the dentist. You want, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I'll confess my sins to you. The last time I was to a dentist, I was 16 years old. I've been to a dentist since I've been 16. I ain't going either. You can forget it. The only way you can give me to a dentist is Anybody can give me any medical facility. I'm going to have to be unconscious and you're going to have to drag me there. Justice is having difficulty. He has strong teeth. Be careful what you wish for. Can I tell you that? Clayton doesn't have strong teeth, so we're like, Lord, please let, when justice was showing up, let justice have strong teeth. His teeth are so strong that the adult teeth are coming in and the baby teeth aren't letting loose. He's got strong teeth. we got to go to the dentist. Rip those suckers out. No. We're not going to rip them out. Bless God. If they're lucky I wasn't there because I was ready to slap somebody. That's my kid. My kid. No, but he's not. He's not my kid. He's God's kid. Same thing with Colton. Colton's got skin growth, trying to get it taken care of. They wouldn't do it on Thursday. Really? You're not going to take care of Justice on Monday. Now you're not going to take care of Colton on Thursday. I was irritated. Why? Because it's my kid. Except for it's not my kid. It's God's kid. See, easy, easy to know. Hard to practice. God owns everything, and thus we own nothing but. What a privilege it is to be trusted. Be amazed that God entrusts imperfect people with marvelous truths and responsibilities. The passage of Scripture that we wrote was in, is in Matthew. How many of you remember who Matthew was? He wasn't a fisherman, like the vast majority of the disciples. He was a tax collector. He worked for the government. Well, that's, that's like strike one right there. I mean, you just work for the government. I, I was talking to Jonathan this week, and he was telling me down in his neck of the woods, it doesn't matter, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, socialist, communist, constant, it don't matter. If you, work for the, if you work for the government, you're not trusted in his neck of the woods. You're just not. I mean, you work for the government. Don't trust him. But that's what Matthew, Matthew worked for the government. We know how the government worked because of the story of Zacchaeus. Extra money, extra kickbacks. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. Government was corrupt 2,000 years ago, just like it's corrupt today. Okay? And, so, and that's not my message. I'm just saying. But this is who Matthew was. And yet God entrusted him with being a disciple, with the, uh, writing a book of the Bible wasn't a very, at the beginning, there were stages of his life where he wasn't a very good person, probably. Paul was, Paul was a murderer. I mean, he was a serial killer. He didn't just, I mean, he, he went everywhere killing people. That's a serial killer. Paul, 
the greatest apostle that we hold up in such esteem was no better than, you know, John Wayne Gacy, your son of Sam. The amazing fact that God entrusts people like that with truths and responsibilities. Matthew was, again, he was a despised profession. Tax collectors were hated by fellow citizens, especially the Jews. They were sellouts. How can you work for a, how can you work for a conquering government? I mean, we all know that China wants to take over. How would you like to, uh, uh, you know, China finally takes over and oppresses us and then you find out that somebody you know works for the Chinese government. How would you feel about that? But that's, that's what Matthew was. Matthew probably didn't know that his writings were going to end up in the canon of scriptures. But that's not really the point God did. God knew. God chose to use him. The life and the occupation of people that God uses all throughout the scriptures. We, we looked at it, it was probably, it's been like two years ago now. Those great pillars of the faith. Really? Jonathan talked about David this morning in Sunday school. I mean, David was an adulterer and a murderer. Moses, <laughs> murderer. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There's not too many. They really weren't all that good either, were they? You realize that there are two people in all of the Bible that if the only thing we knew about them was in the Bible, we would consider them good people. Well, I think that, obviously Jesus, but he's God. I'm not, I'm talking about two humans. I'm named after them. <laughs> Man, I fell short, didn't I? Joseph and Daniel. There's not one negative thing written about them in Scripture. Now, I'm not saying they were perfect, because we know better than that. But all the other heroes of the faith, you can look in Scripture and be like, Man, they messed up. They messed up bad. That should be an encouragement to us. Why? Because God in God owns everything and he entrusts things to people that mess up bad. You say, well, Pastor, why is that so important when we're talking about ownership? <laughs> because if we're not careful, we can think that ownership is man-centered. We have to do this. We have to do that. We have to do. We got. We talked about it all last year. Galatians, Ephesians. We get out our magic checklist and be like, "Yep, got that." Yeah, I go to Sunday school. Sunday morning done. Tithe done. Give to missions done. 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 
pretty good. Nah, I'm not perfect. I know that. I know I'm a sinner. But I'm doing pretty good. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a performance-based, legalistic, oppressive life. We talked about it, I think it was on Sunday nights, that we live in prisons of our own minds many times. Our own expectations. We all have our own expectations, our own preferences, so on and so forth. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Listen, the Bible says what? That every man has to be convinced in his own mind of the things that God wants them to do. Listen, if you're not convinced in your own mind, you ain't never going to do it. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're not convinced, you're never going to do it. But if we're going to think biblically, if we're going to think correctly, we always have to remember that ownership begins, ends, and everything in the middle is all about him and nothing about us. The God of heaven and earth would entrust me with some skill or some resource or opportunity that can make an eternal difference in the accomplishment of his plan. Think about, just think about that for a second. Listen, I know me. You know yourself. God would entrust you with the things that you've done, with the things that you think. Really? Why in the world would God do that? Because I know me. When we look at that from a, at a human perspective, we think, man, God's crazy. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, man, he's, God is off his rocker to entrust us. But he does. With the, listen, with his plan. What's his plan? He came to seek and to save. That's his plan. And he entrusted me and he entrusted you. He entrusted all of people that have saved with part of that plan. So many times Christians come and like I said, they, just, they plop down, take their 18 inches in the pew, give their 20 bucks and they think they're, you're missing something. You're, you're missing God wants to use you in spite of the fact that he knows you. Listen, yesterday we went to the men's uh, meeting and one of the pastors was talking, a preacher was talking about how, how he hates basketball. Can I tell you, I've grown a lot in 35 years. After, after Bible college, my parents went out to New Jersey to be Assistant pastors, they relayed this story to me because I was three, and, and I don't really remember it, but they relayed the story to me. Here I am, three years old, revival meeting, some type of special meeting. I'm sitting on the front row. The pastor gets up, and he was using it as an illustration. He, I hate ketchup. And here I am, three years old, sitting on the front pew, and I'm like this. Well, this pastor's up there. I hate ketchup. Afterwards, I be like I was the first one, and I walked up to him. And I guess I was quite vocal. I said, "I don't like you very much because I love ketchup." Three year 
girl talking to a pastor that way. How dare you? But I just don't care. I, my personality was out very early in my life. I just really don't care what people think about me. You will know what I'm thinking. There's no doubt in the mind. If you ever wonder, what in the world is pastor thinking? Is pastor mad at me? No. Why? Because you will know what I'm I love basketball. I I got home yesterday. I put on my basketball shirt because Michigan. I, I, I was hoping to catch the second half, and as I was changing into my Michigan basketball shirt, the final score came up. And so, but anyway, but I just want you to know I've grown a lot in thirty years because I didn't say anything to him about loving basketball. I have no idea where I was going with that. I apologize. I did have a thought process there. Oh, we all get to play on a team. We're part of the team. Team Jesus. You got, he's got his t-shirt. Team Jesus. He wears it just about half the time I see him. We get to be part of the team. Why in the world would God want us on his team? But we, he is. We are. And our ownership flows out because we're on the team. Listen, Matthew has humility. As you read the Gospel of, of, of Matthew, he constantly refer, refers to himself in the third party, the third person. There's no self-promotion, which is a sign of a person who can't get over the fact that they get to be included. You get to be included. There's an urgency in Matthew's tone. You see that the, there's discussions of end times all throughout Matthew. It's no accident that embedded in the conversation is the behavior of the stewards. We got the first two men. They got the five talents. They got the two talents. And they began what? Immediately they began trying to get more. They began trading and, and working and and. and Whatever I, but they did it immediately. We, when we're still in awe that God could and would use us, even the light of all our past failures and sins, you can't wait to spread the good news. Listen, I'm, I'm not up here trying to judge on whether or not you're saved or not, but I'm just being honest with you. If you, when you grasp it and when you comprehend it, you can't keep your mouth shut. It, it shouldn't be that preachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists all around the world trying to pull teeth, trying to get you to share that Jesus loves people and wants to rescue them from eternal damnation. It shouldn't be that hard. It should be rather normal. You shouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut. And yet how many times do we have outreach and how many people show up. And listen, I, I'll be the first one. You hear me say it all the time. There's a, there's a natural barrier when you knock on someone's door. Truth of the matter is the best way to reach people is family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, people that we have relationships with. But you know what? You shouldn't be able to keep your mouth shut. Someone gets saved and they're, they're constantly, many times they think, well, you know, I've got to get rid of all my old friends. Don't get rid of them. Do not get rid of all your old friends. Don't do it. 
witness to them, and one, two things will happen. They'll either get saved, and you still get to be their friend, or they'll leave you. If you're the witness and the person that God wants you to be, you won't have to get rid of anything. The battle just automatically leave. Matthew couldn't keep his mouth shut. Matthew has, has a focus on the cross. The next chapter. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, he said <clears throat> unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Matthew knew all too well the price that had to be paid on the cross of Calvary. Why? Because Matthew knew who he was. He knew how many times he ripped people off. How many times he accepted bribes and kickbacks to change the outcome of the law. Matthew, Matthew knew how much it was going to cost Jesus when he crucified just for him. So he could have a transformed life. You see, one of the lies that the devil tries to peddle is that because you haven't always done it just the right way and the perfect way all the time, there's no place for you on the team. Can I tell you, there's not a bigger lie out there. There's not a bigger lie out there. Listen, I, I told you, I mean, Ball, uh, the, probably the greatest apostle on the, in the world was a serial killer. Listen, I, I'm not going to... I'm just kind of assuming that there's no serial killers in here tonight, today. I'm going under the assumption that there's no serial killers watching online. Listen, you're not too, too far gone. Yeah, I hear it all the time. People say, well, you know, if, if, if I walk through the doors of church, the church roof will collapse on me. Well, if it doesn't, that's got nothing to do with you. You're not that powerful. It's because the roof rotted. Nothing, nothing to do with you. Amazed that God uses us. The second thing is this. Be attuned to the good character of our sovereign master. Why, why did Matthew share this story? Both what could they learn from it then? More importantly, what can we learn from it now? How does it impact us? What was his intent? It's given to help us examine what God has entrusted to us. If God's entrusted you with everything, why? Because he owns it all. Everything you have, he's entrusted to you. Think about that. He's, he's entrusted to you. Why? 
than what falls on that you have been entrusted with that list. What have, you, what have you been entrusted with? We haven't all been entrusted with the same things. Some of the same things, but not, not everything that I'm entrusted with, you're entrusted with. I don't think that there's one person here that wants to pastor the church, but listen, you're, you weren't entrusted with that. Be thankful for it. Especially this pastor, be thankful for it. You don't even want to know some of the headaches and hardships and just, I, I hate using the word stress, but just be thankful you didn't have to. Women's live. <laughs> Between you and me, if, 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 if God was, if God didn't say that husbands are the head of the house, go for it. You can have it. I don't want it. God entrusted me. Whether I like it or not. But we all have different things that God has entrusted us with. See, maybe you're a five-talent person. Maybe you're a two-talent person. Maybe you, maybe you are a one-talent person. Listen, that's, that's not the point. What has God entrusted you with? You say, well, I really don't have all that much that God's entrusted me with. I, th I think I'm a one-talent person. But you are, if you are, that's fine. But let's just go through a list, and I'll do this as quickly as possible. Listen, what God, what? we're created in God's image. God entrusted you with being created in his image. All of us. Every single human being, seven and a half billion of us, are entrusted with his image. God's given me a heart. He's entrusted us with a heart. A part of me that no one else knows. And I can fill with truth and worship and adoration of Christ. God entrusted me with that. God's given us a mind. I can choose to think thoughts that are true and lovely and honoring to him. But God entrusted it with us. Listen, God entrusted you with a spouse. Be careful what you wish for, right? Listen. January 4th, 2008. Pray for Kendra. Because on Jan that day, guess what? God entrusted her with me. That was the reason. But what God knew that she could be trusted with. Everything. Kids. October 21st. October 22nd, seven years apart, May 22nd, December 12th. Well, God entrusted us with that. Well, you know, as, 
As much as I may act like it, and, and I get a little bit of the flesh and think that they belong to me, they don't want, because, but God has entrusted them to me. Scary sometimes. But God has entrusted us. Maybe you're, God's entrusted you with your neighbors, your co-workers, the clerk at the grocery store. God's entrusted all of us with skills and abilities. Maybe you're organized, maybe you're not. You've got musical talent, I don't. The gift of mercy, the ability to teach, the ability to love, the opportunities are all around us. God entrusts us with it, and we don't even realize it. I hate my boss. God entrusted you with that boss. God entrusted that boss with you. You go to school. I hate my teacher. Don't hate your teacher. You can hate the subject. That's, but, but you don't understand. I do all, I mean, I get the answers right, but all of my work is wrong, and so she marks it wrong. God entrusted you with that teacher, and vice versa. It's all around us, and we miss it. By the way we respond to the trust reveals much about the true nature of our relationship with God. We're going to talk it more, but <laughs> he walks up to the first guy. Here's five talents. Okay, thank you. I'll go make some more money for you. Here's two talents. Okay, thank you. Last guy, here's one. What does he do? He goes and buries it in the ground. Why did he bury it in the ground? Well, it says, in his opinion, you're, you're, you're a difficult person. You've got a hard personality. You annoy me. Yes, I'm paraphrasing. But nowhere in there, the other, the other two servants don't say that. The other two people don't react that way. See, how we deal with what's entrusted with us tells way more about us than it does about him. But he goes on, he says, just for the sake of argument, obviously you've got a bad perspective of me. A false narrative has been laid upon you. But let's just say, for the sake of argument. You could have at least loaned it to the bank and I got interest from it. You're kind of stupid for just burying it in the ground. You, 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 what, you think I'm harsh now? What, is, what did our last verse say? Get out of here. You're gone. You're no longer my servant. I can't trust you with any. Listen, I couldn't trust you with one single solitary thing. You're gone. You want to think that I'm harsh? There you go. I can be harsh. But many times it has more to do with our perspective and our opinions than it has to do with reality. 
Lastly, be assured that the position of servant of God is a delightful place to be. Listen, I, th- I think I told you last week, I can't remember. I, I could literally, I could stand up here, I'd rather sit for hours, and I could tell you either things I've seen, things that have happened to me, other things that I have heard. But it's just, are you having fun serving God? So I was, before he was my brother-in-law, I was visiting with my brother-in-law one time. I, I apologize. If, if you ever meet Kenny, you'll be like, man, Pastor is a bad person. He's just bad. He's, he, he's legally blind. He's got lung problems. He's got heart problems. And he stands about that tall, grown man about that tall. And uh, just a frail-looking, in all honesty. We're out knocking doors. And uh, we come around the this around the street and it's house long, just overgrown and just weird, just run down house and you really couldn't see anything. We come around the corner and we go to open the gate and and big dog, you can hear by the sound big dog. And and I'm typically not scared of dogs. I'm just not scared of them. I am aware of them, but I'm not scared of them. But I mean honestly, it was just reaction. I I, I apologize. I feel bad for it. But it was just natural reaction. I hear the dog. I grab Kenny. I hold him in front of me. Man, Pastor's mean. That is to me. It's kind of funny, but I I apologize. I really I do. I feel bad. It was just initial reaction. But I'm using him as a human shield between me and this big dog. It's just, it's just funny. I've, I've listen. I had guns pulled on me. I told you the other day. I had the garage door slammed in my face. It's just I get. Having fun. Serving God. Why? Because it's the best place in the world to be. He's entrusted you with it. Listen. Because if, if, if we don't, we're, we'll miss it. And we can't miss it. Listen. <laughs> It's far better to be a servant to the right master than a CEO to the wrong one. How many, I, we, we were talking about outdated things earlier. How many of you remember the show Family Ties? Am I the only one watched Family Ties, really? I'm it. Michael J. Fox. I don't know why I liked Michael J. Fox when I was... He was in Teen Wolf and Back to the Future. I know I'm rattling off in there all. I don't know. But I really liked him in Family Ties. I think when I was in college, when shortly after I got out of college, I, I read an article. Every time, every time a rerun. In the original contract of Family Ties, every time a rerun of Family Ties is aired, Michael J. Fox get off, gets a hundred thousand dollars. Just think about it. I mean, it's on, it's on you know, Nick at Night or TV Land or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's still going. It's still, every time one's aired, he gets a hundred thousand dollars. 
on top of everything else, on top of his original contract, on top of all the other money that he made, every time that one a episode of that one show, hundred thousand dollars. By his own admission, he sold his soul to the devil. He's he cut a deal with the devil. He's like, if you make me rich and popular and, and all of that, you you can have me. Well, I think he's pretty rich and pretty popular. At least at one point in time in his life. Listen to me. It's better to be a servant to the right master than to be rich and popular and the CEO to the wrong. There's all kinds of reasons for that. But when we joyfully accept the position of servant of God, you have the response, you have the possibility of the Holy Spirit directing and empower each of us in our ownership. Flip over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Verse number 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. That good thing that was committed unto you. Can you think of it? Hopefully you can think of a lot of things. But at the very least, you don't have to go to hell. That good Thing. It's amazing how much we can accomplish when we marvel at how God even ch- chooses to use us in the first place. Look at everything with which you have been entrusted and get busy letting God help us. Why? Why in the world? Would we do all of that? Wouldn't you much rather be a five-talent or two-talent servant than a one than the one-talent servant? I would much rather someone tell me, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant," than get out of my face. I can't stand looking at you. Like he owns it all. cast into eternal damnation. All because you didn't do with what God, didn't use what God gave you. What's, what's that old, old adage, use it or lose it? God's given us so much. Are you using it? Do we love God? Loving ownership, that's our sermon series. Action speaks louder than words. Do we? Can you wake up in the morning? 
based on your actions, say, I love God. Because all of this around me doesn't belong to me. I've been entrusted with it. Do I love the owner? When we first got married, I was playing, Kendra was at a ladies' meeting or something out with friends, I forget. I was playing the Wii. And I, I, was, I was a good husband. I bought her roses. This is why I don't buy her flowers anymore, by the way. I'm just joking. I bought her roses. Sitting on the coffee table in a crystal vase that her grandmother gave her that's priceless and irreplaceable. And I'm playing, I don't know, bowling or something on the Wii. And you know what happened, right? I said, this is why I don't buy roses anymore. <laughs> Not that I could ever afford to replace it, but I, I'm always looking to see if I could possibly, and I haven't found one yet. Why? Because I love her. <laughs> Do we love God? Like, it doesn't belong to you. Do you love Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. We're thankful that you allowed us to come and gather and worship, Lord. Lord, I, humanly speaking, you say you're out of your mind to entrust us. But for some reason you do.